Welcome back to the Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. This is going to be a fun one. Gary Hill, Aaron Goldsmith with you. Aaron, how's it going? Gee, man, doing very well, man. I haven't seen you since uh, we flew on the same flight home from Phoenix, like um, what feels like three months ago. It feels, but I hope you're doing well. Yeah, it feels like a long time ago. I am doing well. I, we're in the same boat. We're, uh, I mean, I guess we're doing what everyone else is doing. We're just kind of hanging out with the family in our places and not really going anywhere. Right. Not going anywhere. That's right. It's I, I, I am really, obviously what's going on is terrible and awful. And it's something that we will remember for the rest of our lives. Like everybody else listening, the silver lining for a lot of folks, uh, hopefully is a lot of family time, which has been great. Uh, it's also been Utterly exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> we, I mean, we, for people who don't know, you have two kids. I have three kids. You're a little ahead of us. Mm-hmm. We have a five, a three-year-old, and then a five-month-old. Yeah. Um, and so we're like, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know which is more difficult. I was talking to Heather, my wife, about this. Like, is it, is it harder to have little kids like we have where like our five-year-old son can do some things on his own our three-year-old daughter is almost entirely dependent upon us for her existence and of course a five-month-old is a five-month-old but we have like no pressure or stress on their educational development during this months off of school right yeah versus like a middle schooler or a high schooler were like they have to, they should really probably be doing things. And as a parent, you're wondering how can I help them do this? I don't know. What, what do you think? What, I don't, what, what's it like in your house in terms of school? Well, I think they, they both present uh, unique challenges, but you hit the nail on the head. The school thing is really challenging because I mean, let's be honest, I should not be in charge of anyone's education. I mean, that's, <laughs> that is an obvious fact. Our kids are 12 and 9, so, I mean, at this point, school is a, a big part of their lives. Teachers have been great, so we've been getting, like, lessons and things to keep up with, but it's it's a real challenge. I've said for a long time teachers are underpaid, and this thing just uh, rams it home completely <laughs> because it, it is the most challenging part by far. And then... You know, there's the emotional side as well, especially with the older one who, you know, at times really feels the weight of everything, of everything going on. And, you know, you start to miss, you know, birthdays and, you know, friends and social activity, you know, things like that that go down the list that you get just take for granted. You know, I guess a lot of us take things for granted and and she more than probably younger kids starts to feel that weight kind of the real life aspect of this whole thing which is which is hard yeah no you're right i we've been really grateful that our our kids are young enough actually we're kind of they haven't they know nothing about what's happening and we're actually kind of wondering why they haven't asked why they're not going to school (laughs) (laughs) why you're home that's actually (laughs) that's actually beginning to concern us like we're happy that they're just happy yeah but we're also beginning to wonder why aren't they asking what's going on and for people uh who don't and probably a lot of people don't follow this is very random michael young 
course, former Ranger great okay. Michael Young on Twitter. Uh, he's a great Twitter follow, which is like you wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily think that, but he's fantastic. And he tweeted out something today that one of his kids' teachers emailed their class. I won't read it word for word. It's it's a couple paragraphs, but basically it said to all the parents like, don't freak out about your kids falling behind in school. Every kid is out of school right now, yeah. right? Like everybody's in the exact same boat. Don't yell at your kids or scream at your kids because they're not doing whatever, two hours of math and an hour of history and whatever else, social studies at the kitchen table. Like don't freak out about it. What people, what the kids will remember the most about this time is how they felt, not like if they learned algebra, right? So if you if you want to hear the whole thing or read the whole thing, it's really, it puts a lot of parents' minds to ease, I would think. This is from one teacher in whatever, the Metroplex probably. Um, but Michael Young, good follow regardless of this tweet or not. So there's that. Uh, it, even though we have very little uh, educational stress going on right now, when I read that, I thought, oh, okay. Well, learning arithmetic based on one-on-one -on -one basketball in the driveway actually is probably the best thing we could be doing right now. <laughs> that is. That's a good way to go about it. Uh, we've played a lot of games of horse so far, which is great. So that's, that's very nice. excellent. Yeah. So we've decided, you know, during this time that hey, we're going to podcast and try and get a little bit of normalcy in our lives and hopefully some people uh, get some smiles out of this along the way but we're going to try and do this what weekly where we podcast together and we kind of i don't know take a theme and hopefully get some listener interaction as well and i, I guess we'll talk about it as we go through this thing but we'll uh, give these contacts at the end too so you can reach us we have a new podcast email which i'm thrilled about marinerspod at mariners.com is the new email address to reach us on this thing and you can follow us on twitter as well and reach us both there but uh so how are we going to set this up today our theme is autographs right is that is that the way to to set this up absolutely this is something that we have talked about maybe having as a one-off mariners magazine segment yeah Mariners Magazine, of course, the best pregame pregame show in all of Major League Baseball <laughs> right. on Sunday mornings. But we we both have had our own individual hysterically either embarrassing or just outright funny autograph incidents. Uh, and we think that a lot of people out there have had some kind of story, maybe not right in line with this, but close enough that's happened to them as they are trying to seek an autograph their life or maybe their kids have been that is just <laughs> pretty funny yeah and so I, we're going to share ours today and then we really invite everybody to uh send us your version of your autograph story and we'd like to what do you think gary uh maybe at the end of the, this week uh depending on the response or early next week after the weekend kind of put one together and create a, a podcast episode of your guys' stories as yeah. well. And I know, Gary, you, you've got the details on how to do that. Yeah, so what we were thinking is if you just wanted to, hey, record your story in your phone and email it to us, that's great. If you have a story and just email us or tweet us and we'll get back to you and you can tell it to us and we'll record it and that kind of thing. But, I mean, we had the same thought. I mean, there's got to be some great stories out there. And so we're hoping to get a few of them for the next podcast to talk about it. But yeah, we 
Well, we like ours. They're especially embarrassing for both of us, which makes it even better. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, but see, the funny thing about about our stories is that, like, our stories are on opposite sides of the autograph. That's right? true. That's a good point. Mine, mine, mine is seeking the autograph, uh-huh. and Gary's, which we'll get to, is <laughs> twice. Nice. With believe it or not, everybody, Gary giving multiple autographs which is incredible it is incredible um, <laughs> it's so hard to believe the, yeah what got all this yeah exactly what got all this started was i think this is uh, one of the, this is the greatest story that i will ever have and it's really when i think back on how much i have changed in thinking about this incident when it happened to me it was probably the most crushing moment of my life and now it's one of the funniest moments of my life so it's amazing what time can do when i was a high school freshman living in st louis uh, it was in the springtime it was almost time for summer vacation and who was walking around my high school to watch his son play a freshman baseball game, but Bob Costas, like the Bob Costas, now Ford C. Frick Award winner, Bob Costas. And my high school principal knew that I was interested in broadcasting, which all that meant was that I watched SportsCenter. <laughs> That's all it meant. Like I watched SportsCenter, I played sports, I was obsessed with sports, And at one point in my life in high school, I said, oh, that'd be cool to be on TV and talk about sports. So, boom, I'm the guy who's interested in broadcasting. And so my principal sees Bob Costas and approaches him and introduces himself, tells him who he is, that he's got a student at this high school who's interested in doing what Bob Costas does for a living. And he has the courage to politely ask Bob Costas, if he can have his contact information and connect me with him. And, you know, this is all unbeknownst to me, right? I'm someplace entirely else right now. And the next day, I get told all this by my high school principal. He gives me the contact information for Bob's Costas's assistant or secretary. And so even I don't know what to do. I, I called this kind woman up and I set up a time to meet with Bob Costas. I can't even believe it. So in the early days of summer vacation, I drive to his office in St. Louis. Like he has an actual office, which I also couldn't believe. And I'm probably like, how old are you when you're a freshman in high school? I'm 15, 16 years old or yeah. something. 15, 16. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. I weigh like, I weigh like, a hundred pounds, right? I have never interviewed anybody in my entire life. And I'm going to go interview the guy who's better at interviewing than anybody else in the world about what it's like to be a broadcaster and how, how in the world I can get my foot in the door one day. So I put my hundred pound body into my only suit. And man, I'm telling you, I had sweat through that suit with nerves (laughs) by the time I walked through his door. I mean, I was petrified. So I walk into the lobby. There's a small little foyer with a desk where his uh, secretary sat. And then there are these two offices. 
one was kind of an overflow and one was his office the office of bob costas and so i walk in there and immediately i hear his voice he's on the phone and his office door is open and i can't like you know the feeling like you i'm sure you felt this when like you went to the mariners booth for the first time and you heard dave and rick and like you heard their voice and you saw them like that moment where it's so surreal that's how I felt. And I went over and I introduced myself to his secretary. I said, hi, my, my name is my name is Aaron Goldsmith, and I'm, I'm here for Mr. Costas. And she was so kind. She, was so, she could tell I was terrified, told me to take a seat, and that Bob would be with me in a few minutes. Sure enough, I hear him hang up the phone. So now it's like, it's go time. Like, this is happening. He gets up. He walks in the foyer. I stand up. I put my hand out. He puts his hand out. And I say, Mr. Costas, it is such a pleasure to meet you and he says oh the pleasure is all mine eric (laughs) and at that moment i'm thinking like i'm pretty sure bob costas just called just called me eric but like just push on right muscle through this not a big deal a minor stumble we're gonna get past it so we walk into his office we sit down i mean his office my memories of his office is just palatial everything is like leather and mahogany and it's just framed photos both on the wall and on what seemed like six dozen bookshelves of just bob with a celebrity bob with the world's greatest athletes and everything is autographed right and so we sit down as an aside i do think it's hysterical that he has an office i mean that part always strikes me as funny as well I couldn't believe it. I know. It's amazing. I mean, you and I basically have like a spare bedroom. (laughs) That's right. I mean, he he actually paid rent for someplace. Um, And so this was the kind of early days. Some people won't have any idea what I'm talking about. Some people will know exactly what I'm talking about and will have owned one. This was the early days of the mini disc player. And I had a mini disc player. And I also had a really cheap microphone that just plugged in to like a headphone jack, essentially. And so I brought my mini player and microphone, and I asked Mr. Costas if I could record this conversation, because I knew I'd want to hold on to this for a long time. And he was very kind. He said yes. And as I'm setting up my mini player and this just like dollar store microphone, <laughs> He opens up this big glass jar from his desk and he says, would you like a gumball? They're sugarless. <laughs> and I, I never, I was just, I had never been offered anything before with the, in with someone trying to entice me with the fact that it's sugarless. Uh-huh. Like I'm 16, I weigh 98 pounds. I could drink 13 milkshakes and eat a dozen cheeseburgers right now, and I wouldn't gain a single pound, right? But I, I'm not going to say no to Bob Costas when he offers me a gumball, right? So I take this gumball, which this gumball was from, like, the inaugural Mariners season of 1977. This thing was as hard as a rock, and you would I can't believe I didn't crack all my molars on it. So I'm trying to plow through this gumball, setting up the equipment, and this is what I sounded like as a roughly 16-year-old, my essentially first words to Bob Costas. Well, I just like to kind of gain a better knowledge of 
possibly how you started and mm -hmm. and um, any suggestions that you have for me and aspiring to, you know, be in a similar situation as you are right now. So when I go back and I listen to this, Scary, uh, <laughs> as you can tell, what it reminds me of every time is that when people in our profession, when, when we get tapes and CDs and uh -huh. emails from young kids who want to be broadcasters and their voices don't sound so great, yeah. just know that that's how I sounded and I somehow got to where I am today. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, un, it's, it's unbelievable so that he didn't dismiss me from his office immediately. It's so so we're, we're talking and I'm asking him questions, albeit terrible questions. And he just pulls out of his desk drawer his scorecard from the 1994 All-Star Game, which, of course, he broadcasts on television. And it's incredible just hearing him talk about calling the All-Star Game. This is the, the 94 All-Star Game. Um, so I use a, an oversized scorecard. Mm -hmm. If you were yeah. doing baseball 162 games a year, you couldn't do this. But doing it once a week or even less than that back when we had baseball in the 90s, so I wrote in the, uh, the starters in red, and I put, all right, so here's Roberto Alomar, four, he's second baseman. This is stats last year. Uh, this is batting average and other stats this year. Um, I wrote seven of the eight American League starters were the same as 93. The only difference is Frank Thomas instead of John Olerud. Then the guys in blue were guys who came in after, uh, later in the game. And I put the reserves over here. Um, there have been 11, apparently have been 11 upper deck home runs hit uh, at Forbes Field, I mean at uh, Three River Stadium. Six to right field, five to left, four of them have been hit by Willie Stargell. I put stuff about Maddox, who was the starter. Um, these are the defensive, Bonds was playing left, Gwynn was in center, Justice was in right. Um, if Mickey Tettleton had come in the game, he'd had three straight 30 home run seasons. Paul Molitor had stolen 16 for 16 during the season. Griffey had 45 homers last year. Um, if Joe Carter came in, this will be the eighth time in nine years he had 100-plus RBIs, and he had 98, the one he missed. I wanted to remind myself to mention Harry Carey during the seventh-inning stretch. So these are the type that you would have this in front of you yeah. while you're doing it? So I've got this right in front of me. i got the American League on, uh, on this side. Flip it over. i got the National League here. Same kind of notes. Um, I put number 21 for Roberto Clemente. He died December 31st, 72, flying to Nicaragua, helped earthquake victims because the game was in Pittsburgh, and there's a statue of him right. uh, out there. And so then you just keep score of the game, and as you keep score of the game, you've also got all your notes mm -hmm. right in front of you. So during the course of um, preparing, I would write, I've got a similar thing for basketball. Um, and of course, at that time, I, the idea of calling an all-star game seemed like landing on the moon to me. But the problem with all this was that probably every 15 minutes, just because he's a really good guy, he would use my name to engage with me even more. And he would, he would say things like, well, Eric, you know when you're <laughs> watching a game on TV. Or Eric, you know when you're listening on the radio and you hear this or that. And every time he says Eric... I'm thinking it's harder and harder to correct him, right? Yeah. Like the first time, if I pounced on it, I could have corrected him and we would have moved on. But when he has said Eric 
five, six, seven times maybe. The ship is like, sailed. There's no, yeah, there is no going back, man. Like, it is over. Like, I am Eric, for sure. Well, he gives me, this is, this is actually unbelievable. He gave me an hour of his time. Some high school punk kid who is going nowhere and sounds like that. He gave an hour of his time to talk about trying to get into this business. Finally, he, um, in a very kind way, told me that I had one more question. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I asked one more question. And then he had just recently come out with uh, a book. He'd written a book. And it was called Fairball. And I had bought the book and read the book. And I brought it with me. I, I brought it with me as uh, hopefully a prop to illustrate that I had done some prep, right? So I'd done some research, had some ideas to what I might be talking about because I had read his book. And so we were all done and we stood up and I packed in my mini disc player and we were walking out of his office into the foyer and I pick up my book from his desk and he says to me, hey, would you like me to sign your book? And I had, I, 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 honest to goodness, I had no intention on getting an autograph. Again, this was just a prop. And I said, yeah, sure, like that, I would love for you to sign my book. So I hand him the book and I start gazing around his office, checking everything out again. And all of a sudden, I look down at the book and he has the book opened up to the title page. And of course, you know what happens next. He has written two E-R-I, and the pen is like bleeding into the page. He's waiting for my command, and he says this. Thanks so much for the time today, Mr. Casas. Was there anything left that, that you needed to get to? Oh, no, it's fine. Okay, because i got a 4 o'clock appointment. I totally understand. Okay. Thanks. It was a pleasure. Thanks, Thank Eric. Thank you so much. Was, it, was that yours? Did you yeah, want to decide it for you? Oh, that'd be great. Okay. You, uh, C or a K? I uh, see. There you go. Thank you very much, Mr. Costas. You're welcome, Eric. Appreciate it. Thanks for Good the time. Luck. Thank you. I, of course, of course, it's Eric with a C, Gary. I mean, Eric with a C is much more natural than Eric with a K, don't you think? I love the answer. So immediate. <laughs> it's a C. So he says to Eric, see you in the booth someday, Bob Costas. <laughs> And he closes this book and he hands it to me and I am just absolutely cut down at the knees. I am crushed, demoralized, deflated. It's like this is the worst day of my life. So we walk into the foyer. I'm carrying this book with the wrong name in it. And I see his secretary. And, you know, of course, I'm, I'm going to say goodbye to her. And I say, Sue, it was, it was so nice to meet you. Th thank you for helping to set this up. And she says to me, with Bob off my left shoulder, she says, well, Aaron, it was so nice to meet you. <laughs> well, now I'm now I'm toast, man. I'm utterly hosed. And Bob says to Sue, well, Sue, his, his name isn't Aaron, it's Eric. And she says to Bob, well, no, it's not Bob. It's Aaron. And now they've moved like shoulder to shoulder, and I'm standing in front of both of them, and it's just full missile lock, top gun, and I am in the crosshairs. And Bob says to me, oh, my goodness, I hope your name isn't actually Aaron. And I've been calling you Eric, and you've been too polite to correct me. 
And when he said that, that's that's my end, right? Even as a kid, I'm realizing this is when I come clean and I say and correct what's happened. And so I take a deep breath and I say, uh, you know, actually, Mr. Costas, my my name my name is. And he says, well, good then. Then it's Eric. And I say, yep, it sure is. And I <laughs> hightail it out of there and I get to my car and I drive home as fast as I can. And I I am so mortified by the whole thing. Uh, the first person I saw was my mom and she was just over the moon excited to talk to me about it. And I'm almost in tears. I tell my high school principal, who, of course, set all of this up and I tell him what happened and I show him the book. And uh, the next year at Christmas time, he hands me a copy of Bob's book, Fair Ball. And I look at this and I'm thinking like, this is kind of mean, right? Like, I know what happened. <laughs> and I said, no, 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 open it up, open it up to the title page. So I open it up and it says to Aaron, but may I call you Eric? Maybe you'll be the second Aaron in the Hall of Fame broadcaster's wing. Best wishes, Bob Costas. And uh, when I got the Mariners job, I had been, car been carrying these two books, these two autographs with me ever since through all my travels you know, as a, was through college and then as a minor league broadcaster. I'd had these two books on a bookshelf. And when I got to Seattle, I thought, you know, it's time to actually – get this framed the right way. So probably the most prized autograph I have is uh, I took it to a frame shop in town and uh, I'll, I'll tweet out a picture of it uh, with this link to the podcast, but it's the title page in the middle and excuse me, the cover of the book in the middle and then each title page flanking it one side and the other. And it's, I mean, it's, it's one of a kind, right? And it's, it turned out to be one of the, funniest thing that's ever happened to me and a memento a piece of memorabilia from now a hall of famer that uh, nobody else i guarantee it <laughs> has anything like it so uh, that is by far the best autograph story i will ever have and it's why and the, the phrase eric with a c is perhaps my favorite phrase in the entire world <laughs> <laughs> in fact, it's a good story for it's a good story for a rain delay it's a great story for it's a great story for any time once in a while you'll hear me reference eric with a c on the air it's kind of an inside <laughs> funny joke you know everyone is inside everyone that's listening that's right. knows where that's coming from that is such a great story i love it it's it's pretty good it's it's very cool and uh i i am i, I will never forget him spending that much time with me when he had no business spending that much time or I had no business spending that much time with him is a better way to put it. So uh, a good lesson for all of us. You never know where people are going to be one day and, uh, you know, be nice to people, right? That's a good thing. Yeah. So it's a good thing. So I was on the, uh, you know, uh, I'm on the side of the autograph trying to get it, Gary, you are of celebrity status or not once, but twice y your autograph has been sought after. Yeah, which is amazing to think about. Like, how would that happen? Oh, here's the fir first one. It was uh, it was a few years ago, and we were in Boston, and we were staying at our old hotel, which was pretty close to Fenway Park. It was definitely in walking distance. And one of my favorite things to do is walk to the ballpark. I like to walk to the ballpark whenever possible. But on this particular day, it was one of those hot, steamy. 
Boston days, you know, it feels like you're in an oven that kind of day. And, you know, with your stuff and, you know, fairly nice clothes on, I didn't want to sweat through everything on the way. So I decided to take the bus. And the bus was kind of parked on the side of the hotel. So you kind of had to walk out and walk around the corner and walk down about a block to get to the bus. And, you know, I like to get there early. So, you know, it's probably 10 minutes before the bus was going to leave. And I'm walking out and I turn the corner and, hey, and there's Edgar Martinez walking in front of me, which is always a great thing. It's great to see Edgar everywhere, especially in the gym. But I guess those are different stories because it's it's ridiculous (laughs) what he would do in the gym. So he's walking along and there's this guy with a bat and he's trying to get Edgar to sign his bat. And of course, Edgar stops and signs the bat. And I'm watching this all take place, you know, down the street as I'm walking to the bus. And Edgar signs the bat, moves along. Yeah, he looks like a million dollars, too. Sunglasses. I mean, he looks great. He's pure Hall of Fame. So he signs the bat, and I just happen to be walking up, and here's the guy with his bat, the same bat that I just watched Edgar Martinez sign, and he runs up with the bat and asks, will you sign my bat? And at that point, I mean... (laughs) I've I'm got to be honest with this guy. You don't want me to sign this bat. You know, I'm I'm pleading with him. You don't want me to sign this bat. He's like, "No, no, I want you to sign this bat." And I'm trying to explain, "Listen, Edgar Martinez just signed this bat. Not a Hall of Famer at the time, but I say he's going to be a Hall of Famer. Edgar Martinez just signed your bat. You don't want me to sign your bat." And we go back and forth. He's like, no, no, I want you to sign your back. And then uh, sign my bat. And then Rick Riz walks up behind me and kind of hears our conversation. And Rick, who did not help the situation at all, says, oh, Gary, you should definitely sign his back. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I try one more time. And, and he's like, no, I want you to sign my bat. And then I'm at a point where I can't say no, right? I mean, who am I to say no to somebody? And look like a total jerk. But then jerk. again, who, who are you to sign the bat, though, really? Well, yes, that's the <laughs> dilemma. But I can't just blow him off and walk away to the bus. So I did what I think is the next, next best thing. I took the blue Sharpie. I took the bat. And Edgar signed it right on the barrel, the perfect spot. And he's a Hall of Famer, so it's no surprise. So what I decided to do was spin the bat to the complete opposite side and I signed that part of the barrel. So I figure that somewhere in Boston there is a bat on display on somebody's mantle in a bat case with Edgar's autograph just prime right on the barrel and then my autograph hidden behind it that no one will see. This guy clearly had no idea who Edgar Martinez was. Yeah, because if he's asking for my autograph, clearly he does not know <laughs> enough who Edgar Martinez is. Because I feel, I think about how I just cratered the value of that bat simply by putting my name on it, which I feel pretty bad about. But I tried. I did my best. I did my very best. You know, I, it's funny you bring up the Rick element of that because there have been times where – like in spring training where the booth 
our radio booth is very accessible to the fans, right? So you could easily toss a baseball in there and we could toss one back and sign it. And there have been times where I kind of get the sense that a fan tosses a ball <laughs> to Rick for Rick, right? This is like he comes to Peoria yes. saying, I'm going to get I'm going to get Rick Riz's autograph on the sweet spot of a baseball because uh -huh. I've listened to him my whole life, period. And he'll toss the ball to Rick and Rick will sign it. And then Rick being just the world's nicest guy just starts passing it around the booth. And it's kind of like, you know, I don't, I don't think that Joe from Tequila wants me to sign his ball, you know? Uh, That's right. And it's like, it does create like this kind of, and then like you look at Joe and you go, Hey Joe. And then he has to kind of decide if he wants to be a jerk or not, right. or you just, I guess I've never done it, but I could like air sign it. Like, but then what if he actually wanted the booth autograph? It's a very, I, 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 all I'm trying to say, Gary, is that I understand when somebody peer pressures you to autograph it like that. And that person is the voice of the Mariners. It can be kind of tough. Yeah. Then when he just walks by, he did the damage, walked by and didn't sign the bat. It was just me <laughs> signing the bat. So yeah, it didn't help the situation. I, so, all right. So that, so not only have you been asked to sign a bat, in Boston, but you've actually been asked to sign internationally as well. Yeah, this is great. So we were in Tokyo last year. Uh, it may have been on this very day last year. So my wife and I are walking through the hotel, and, you know, times get pretty weird, you know, after the long flight and everything. So we're trying to stay awake, and we're going to a restaurant, and we are about to walk into an elevator. And what it was kind of far back in the hotel, and there weren't a lot of people around. And so push the button, and we're just kind of standing there and waiting. And all of a sudden, there is a guy sprinting my way. I mean, full head of steam sprinting like an emergency. And, you know, his eyes are huge. He's got stuff in his hands, but I'm not sure what's going on. And he runs up, and he starts talking to me. It's in Japanese, so I have no idea <laughs> what he's saying. No idea. Which is funny because everywhere we went in Tokyo, we would, you know, we'd stop somebody on the street. And even, I mean, people would stop us when we looked lost and clueless, as we often did. And the conversation it would go just about the same every time. We'd ask English, and they'd say something like, you know, a little, something like that. And then we'd ask, hey, how do we get to such and such? And then in, like, full, uninterrupted, like, paragraph-long, perfect English, they, they <laughs> tell us exactly how to get to a place. And that was that was our experience going everywhere in Tokyo. But uh, Oh, so you're, saying, so you're saying you stop Ichiro every single time on the street. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. So, but this guy, he didn't speak English at all. So he is just... He is speaking to me. I have no idea. And then he start. He brings out a pen and he starts motioning, you know, like uh, like an autograph. And he he clearly it becomes very apparent that he wants me to sign something. And then he opens his hand and he has this whole big stack of baseball cards. And he wants me to sign this baseball card, which I think is pretty weird because I've never had a baseball card. So whose <laughs> card would I be signing? And I look at him, and it's a stack, a stack. It's not just one. It's a stack of Tim Laker baseball cards. So the hitting coach for the Mariners. So I spend the next five minutes 
trying to mime my way through explaining that I'm not Tim Laker. I'm I'm not I'm not him. <laughs> I'm not Tim Laker. You don't want me to sign this because I'm not Tim Laker. And eventually the point cuz I came close to like okay, maybe I'm Tim Laker. Here, let me let me just sign this and this and this. But, you know, I can't I can't do that. I can't sign as Tim Laker. So, eventually I convinced him that I was not Tim Laker. So, I signed the Edgar Bat. I did not sign the Tim Laker cards. And then we went off our, on our way, and he must have been uh, pretty disappointed. But I give him a lot of credit because running around the hotel with Tim Laker cards is pretty great. I mean, I, I wish we had hidden camera footage of when he first saw you, Yeah. right? And And at what point he realized or believed that you were Tim Laker and what he – left and ran from to run to you only to realize obviously this is not Tim Laker but it sounds like you guys had a amicable parting no it was fine I, I just think it, it's so funny because we stayed at the same hotel with the A's and you just walk around it's like and I sent you some pictures of this at the time like we saw Ricky Henderson constantly. I mean, there's <laughs> Hall of Famers walking around this hotel, and he's he's trying to, he's trying to get me to sign Tim Laker cards. I mean, there's you know Ken Griffey Jr. walking around. I mean, there's some amazing Hall of Fame baseball players walking around, and he stopped me to sign as Tim Laker. It's good to know that Tim's got a good following, especially no, internationally. That's great. That's great. Well, we anybody listening has something something along these lines. Uh, probably uh, it will be more on the seeking the autograph uh, side of the table. What if you do have something, again, you can just very simply just go into your phone. Like if you have an iPhone, just go into your voice memos, right? Yeah. And just press record and – I wonder how many people can do it in one take. But uh, take as much time as you need. Uh, send it to us. The audio, like we can edit the audio. We can trim it. Yeah. Um, and if if you stumble a little bit at the beginning, you want to start over again, whatever. Make sure you, uh, we can you help know, you out. Give us your name too. Make sure you give us that because we want to give you credit for yeah. it, obviously. For sure. But email, uh, I'm excited for the new email address, yeah, G. It's so what, marinerspod at mariners.com? That's right. You got it already. Okay. Good work. Cool. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we get uh, a, f a handful of these that we can put together another podcast uh, maybe at the end of this week or start of next. And uh, who knows what uh, the next week's topic might be. And, in fact, if, if you're listening and you've got a topic that you think would be fun to talk about yes. and get some listener interaction with and maybe you, the listener, have something to kind of uh, springboard us into something – That'd be great. You can tweet us or email us or whatever is easiest for you. But, uh, gee, I'm, I'm excited for where this might go, and hopefully it'll help fill the time for us and uh, for some other uh, good Mariners fans as well and uh, hopefully put some smiles on people's faces and get us a day closer to baseball each and every time we listen. I agree. I mean, you summed up perfectly. I guess the last thing to do, it is the top of the hour. Do you want to do a quick ID just, you know, because it's oh, you're right. a while? Actually, yes, I do. Uh, I very much do. And I, I, this does make me regret not getting more famous people to do IDs for us. But we do have Vince Scully and George Brett, which maybe could you tag the end of this podcast with? Actually, we don't have Scully. We have George Brett and John Miller. 
Yes, we do have John Miller. Okay, we'll tag that somewhere. But uh, yeah, this is uh, you're listening to the Alaska Airlines Mariners Radio Network. Nice, you remembered. You. I know. I roll out of I roll out of bed <laughs> in December, and I can say that. Gary. <laughs> All right. Well, this is fun, man. We'll do it soon. You got it, man. Good times. See you later.